0: The Deep Dive presents the fifth year option NFL draft podcast with Andy Molitor and Vegas refund powered by BetSports. Hey, what's up? Sorry. I was typing a note because draft Intel never sleeps, especially 14 days out. Shit kind of snuck up on it. It feels like we've been the whole time we've been talking about like, Oh, it's a long time till the draft. It's like, it's like anything else. Shit just sneaks up on you. We're 14 days out. We uh we have a guest coming in for the second half. That's gonna be a lot of fun. And there's been a lot of man, I hesitate to call it news because not everything you hear can be qualified as news right now. And I think that's maybe the maybe one of the biggest takeaways for the whole week for me is not everything's actionable, not everything's true, not everything is sourced, and a lot of people are still just bullshitting their way through this, but I don't, what do you think the biggest one of the week was? I feel like maybe the maybe the Houston doesn't take a quarterback ripple effect is probably it's probably been the biggest one that busted the market up besides just the obvious of the the big 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 movement on the first overall pick being towards Bryce.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- we are at peak. Right, I mean, I can't remember the amount of angles and narratives that are going on around this time, which. Usually it's like you're honing in on one narrative where it feels like we have a hundred currently. But yeah, definitely the passing on a QB at two is probably the one that I'm paying attention to the most um, where it's gotten to a point where it feels like it might be talked about a little bit too much uh, where like when you see Schefter on ESPN talking about it, it kind of um, I don't know if we've exceeded levels of um, belief where it might just be smoke who knows, but, if I'm making a mock right now, I'm probably putting Anderson number two. Um, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I kind of jumped, it jumped the shark a little. And I agree with you there. If I if I'm I am working on a new mock and I do have Anderson number two, but also because I took some Anderson and I, and I think a lot of people did this because you saw the movement in the market on you know, second overall pick, top defensive player taken but there was some smoke fire news rumors around it being Tyree. And you saw that number come down a lot. And I had to take that. Obviously I had a, I was able to get a half decent chunk on just Anderson top overall defensive player right during the the Jalen fallout, which seems like it was a year ago at this point. So I was able to get a, a pretty sweet price on that. And then all the Tyree stuff came out, you know, there was a, a couple of reports saying they had looked at him at number two, possibly. And D'Amico likes, you know, likes him. The front office likes him. And there were some big enough numbers there. It's like, well, I kind of have to hedge this at this point and take this. And it's funny too. And it, it, you could still you can still end up getting Anderson top defensive player if we don't get a defensive player at second. I don't Give me your percentage right now. Let's okay. say nothing changes. Let's here no. Let me let me lay it out. It's Bryce. Is drafted first. The Texans have not and will not trade out of the second spot. Everything else is there. Give me your percentage of they take a quarterback, any quarterback, literally any of the three, or they go defense at all. Like uh, 50 50 or is it legit
1: 50 50? Like it's, it's, it is the safe. It's like, which that, that's just where we're at because, which the Tyree news really was sparked by like the Zerline mock a couple weeks ago. But, I think like the scenario that, like I'm, I guess you could say, laying out in my head is like something like Bryce Anderson, and then something where like the Colts trade with the Cardinals because they want Stroud at three, and then the Cardinals take someone like Tyree or Anderson, and then the two quarterbacks start falling. Let's just say, and that's when the rumors of the Texans tr- using the 12th pick to trade back up for who we've heard Levis definitely comes mm-hmm. into play. Um, I know Levis is the favorite for the Colts, but I don't know how much that's factoring in Stroud being there. Um, and then at the same time, like these odds flipping from Bryce, from Stroud to Bryce, it does feel like everything's just like piling on Stroud right now, where last week or two weeks ago, we had a certainty at a minus 200 level. Um, yeah. even though that probably wasn't fair, like I, we were saying, don't bet it um, on Stroud. And now all of a sudden it's just crazy how quick the narrative can switch where all of a sudden Stroud's falling three, four, who knows? Um, and it wasn't too long ago, which I'm definitely interested to see Norris's mock later today. Yeah, that's, um, that's how he he later
0: today, for sure. Um, and it does feel like we're kind of at that weird same spot that we were right around the combine where everybody knows what Bryce is. Everyone is excited about the athleticism, the upside, the peak, you know, the ceiling of an A-rich. Uh, Levis is still a bit of a sweetheart because of his, I don't know, like his physique, his build, his size. Like he is just built like, you know, your atypical, prototypical quarterback that succeeded over the last couple decades or even longer. And we have Stroud again that just, I, I mean, I bitched about this during the combat. I'm like, are we just not talking about Stroud? And, you know, there has been rumors, not even just rumors, there's still, I mean, there's reports, there's straight-up reports saying, like, this has been a thing where it's easy for these Ohio State quarterbacks because they have, like, nine five-star receivers. Obviously, the, the receiving room at the Ohio State University is, like, elite last year. And that can temper things. So, I don't know if that's actually true. The comparisons to field, how are you feeling about that as far as like how your temperature on how teams think about Stroud right now?
1: Well, I do want to, I do want to say, like the value isn't like in terms of like the top five picks, like or like top four or whatever, like betting to that pick isn't where the value is. They're like if the numbers that have value still that haven't been bled out are betting picks that are the ripple effect. Of what you think, yeah. so like if you think Stroud is going one, Bryce is a better bet to bet number two. If you think Anderson's going two, betting Stroud at three or four three, is a better bet it's than probably three and four. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the ripple effect is what you want to look at instead of like the actual event, um, where DraftKings has all the way up to pick ten now, um, which I think a lot of them got crushed early. Uh, we're like, I think Falcons opened up like Van Ness like 40 to one. And now it's like three to one. Um, but hopefully we'll get some more of those. Um, yeah.
0: You, you did see a lot of that. I think that's the move. And you, like you just said, the things that got crushed, I think the move is to take some of that edge edge case variants on big numbers. Like all it takes is something, uh, that seems sort of likely like here's like the nine different ways that the, the trade could go with the Cardinals. And if it goes this way and the quarterbacks go this way, one, two, or it goes quarterback defensive player. And then there's a trade. What happens at four five, six, what happens at seven, eight, you know, what what's happening. And then looking at some of those big numbers, I think that's where some of that stuff got picked off. And I, I mean, you're right. If you think X happens uh, it's kind of an, if then problem, if, we go defensive player at two, then what, what presents value at number three based on a trade? Obviously exactly. if, it, if it's defensive player at two, you got to feel like Arizona is scrambling at that point. And if, if they keep it close to the chess, and I know this is fun from like a, I don't know, people who just like to take in the com or the combine, the draft and love the NFL and love the drama. and uh, It would be nightmare for gambling is like Arizona trades, during the draft, because it's it's there's not very many live markets up. You can't do much at that point. Yeah, I, I you, think you, Jeremiah, you, could, you could be positioned, you know, ahead of time, saying like, if it happens, it happens, and this happens, and maybe I have some some value on some big numbers and some players. But it'll be kind of a it'll be piss poor for me if Arizona waits that long to do their trade. Yeah. I think
1: Jeremiah on move the six said that he's expecting it to happen like soon or yeah, with the, with a week out, but. Like, again, like, I am not sold on Bryce. Like, my confidence level in terms of Bryce number one is not minus 300. Like, I, I would, like, like, I very, I think it can be Stroud still. Like, I'm not, and that isn't, like, a bias, which I'd be lying if I said I didn't um, hedge some liability of Stroud, which it's easier to hedge liability at plus 650, um, but all of this. These ripple effects don't come into play if it's Stroud, Bryce, et cetera. Um, So there's no certainty, and it is chaos, and chaos is great. Um, Makes it fun. Uh, There's a new report every day.
0: Yeah, I mean. And and some of the mocks are really starting to tighten up at this point, too. Like you said, we have uh, Norris' later today. That, That one, I think, is important, especially being the 13th of April. But yeah, if it does just go quarterback, quarterback Anderson, a lot of the the chaos might not happen until you get like eight through twelve. There could be some you know some wildness happening. So yeah, you, uh, you can speak a little bit to that Eagles number, the offensive linemen stuff. I think there's still maybe there's almost some value being posed now. If Eagles take like a defensive lineman because oh, yeah. offensive linemen got steamed enough where there's there might be actually value on the other side where if somebody drops the eagles could absolutely still draft, you know, draft someone on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it's you know, it, it's one of those things where sometimes you just have to grab a guy if he's there because he dropped a spot or two. Yeah. And I, you know, you talk about somebody brought up the uncertainty in the chat. Like I'm trying to think of where we were and there's just no way cuz mm-hmm. my brain is like 80% you know, just like NFL stats and bong resin at this point. But like the Baker Mayfield year I'm pretty sure two weeks out, we were not thinking Baker Mayfield was going first overall yet. I think that was like a a day or two before the the draft even started. And it feels like kind of what we're spinning towards here. Where uh, If we got like some crazy curveball in like five days where it's Levis is going first overall, I, I wouldn't even surprise me at this point because it feels like we haven't got actual good intel on anything yet. Davis yeah. is pretty I'm pretty sure we, we did we might have woke up that day not knowing Baker was going first yet. That that's probably right, Christopher. It was it was fucking late.
1: I mean, I and I think that was like the first year you could start betting on the draft. At least it was my first. Um, I feel like I would have seen it prior. But I went to the NFL draft, the Reggie Bush to Davion a year with like literally like my mom. I don't know if I brought this up before. And we were waiting in line at, outside of Radio City Hall before we had of the days of cell phones and Jadavion Clowney, however, the news broke, which was the night out before, trickled out that he was going to go one over Reggie Bush, or Reggie Bush, which there were betting odds on the draft way back then. Jadavion definitely would have had huge odds, Um, which this is the stuff that notifications are great for, uh, where like betting into Lions' corner and Falcons' D line having these notifications on made it great. I guess value where it was at plus money. Now it's minus
0: two fifty. Um, yeah, I just I keep letting him say clowny, Dan, Mario Williams, you know what you're talking about? You oh just, yeah. Mar- I you just <laughs> kept saying cloudy though. I remember, <laughs> I remember that too, because that was pretty late. Yeah. Dan, it was the day before. And that was one of those, like it was early enough. And maybe I was just naive enough about football where it's like, no, cause you, I mean, we'd all spent the whole fall watching Reggie Bush do ridiculous shit and it was before like, you know, we had prospect yeah. type Twitter and all this and, you know, like defensive players weren't like super sexy, like they can be now. It's like, why would you not take, I remember being yeah. mad about it. Like uh, It probably would have came out
1: if like so Twitter existed. Yeah, Like if Twitter existed then and the day of the iPhone was a thing, like it probably would have come out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, Draft is the best. Like anyone complaining about the uncertainty right now, like take a lap. Like it's, this is what it's all about. Um, it makes,
0: and I think with your over unders, Luke, I think the uncertainty is what drives some of the value. Uh, certainly when you're betting into, I mean, especially when you're betting into overs on draft position, it's like there's a long tail to guys falling, you know, uh, it feels like 90% of the stuff where it's like, oh, my God, this guy got drafted way too early. All those guys that get drafted way too early, they don't have prices on them. Like We weren't right. betting over-unders on Cole, Cole Strange. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of the guy's name. The Chattanooga, the, the Patriots uh, lineman that they took.
1: The year before we might have, when Circa came out oh, with Circa, like the yeah, 100, 100, that was fantastic. Um, we, had,
0: we had a Circa trader on the deep dive that year. We had the guy who did it. He was told, like, pick a hundred guys and put over-unders and set the limit at a thousand and <laughs> you know, take them down easily. It's just like we started to run out of guys. I should go back and listen to that interview because it was like, you know, I mean, they had they had over unders on quarterbacks that were projected going like the third round. Like that is I know that is difficult to set. Those, those guys one that, destroyed.
1: Yeah. yeah. Losing the there was one I lost. I forgot. Yeah, those are the best. And if those came out today. Cause I don't think I had a grasp on betting the draft. Like I do like then compared yeah. to now uh, it would be God, I would probably fly to circa. Um, but I've done the math and all the unders that we have right now are like the safe guys. And I don't think they can put out a new over under without it being like there being uncertainty on him. we all, we have like the top 10 guys then we have Joey Porter and Zay, which are random. Um, where there's like a consensus between all the guys or there's a trade factoring in or it's a quarterback where I don't think I don't think anyone's left maybe Skronsky that there is an uncertainty level that can make it leverageable um at all like but I mean, bit- I
0: I think I get what you're saying and I it's almost like if they were to put out three or four more over-unders in the first round, the numbers they would have to put up would be contradictory to what already exists. Because it's like, well, if you think that's true, if this guy is over-under, it's truly 13 and a half, then it's like these two markets don't match up. If this guy goes over, this guy's going under and you can just start making, you know, we do that sometimes with these where you're making bets in pairs, it's like, if this happens, this is very likely that this guy falls because of the team needs. And like you talk about the Joey Porter one, I, I feel like the you know the people that do set these and I should get another odds maker on the show sometime. That was just fun talking to Dylan about it was I feel like some of those guys are just grinding the mocks like you are and saying like, hey, Joey Porter, here's hard. a market we can put up because it's like. Everybody has them in this area. It's like there's a few outliers, but everybody has them to like these two teams. This is mm-hmm. such an easy one to put up. We'll get, you know, you know there, there is the old myth about bookmakers are looking for even action on both sides. It's not always true in a market. It can be true sometimes. and I feel like with some of these, they don't mind it if they got even action on both sides of these and just could let it sit and take action. So like Joey Porter is a perfect one to hang up. Because you right. can put it right where it's at, and you're probably going to get a little tickle on either side.
1: And like Jalen Carter's, which of course we're about to get into Jalen Carter with Staten, but like his was seven and a half yesterday. And I was surprised that this morning it was six and a half. Um, like, like I was just almost shocked. Like, I, which clearly someone bet the under, um, which the ripple effect for that to me, I think there's two scenarios, and this is like galaxy braining it. But it very awful. well could have to do with if Anderson goes two, it pulls everyone down. So guys like Tyree, Jalen are probably going to go a slot earlier than what we project if it was quarterback, quarterback, um, etc. Or it could be something like Anderson going two. It, it, basically, it relates with Anderson going two because if Anderson goes two and let's say like the Colts, which I would assume they would be the favorite to – swap with the Cardinals for Stroud. And then not too long ago, a month or two ago, Jalen Carter was the chalk mock draft pick for the Cardinals. Um, That could be a spot that he goes where six and a half would be a crazy line. Um, But it was kind of a dead number at seven and a half, given that the Raiders, even though they have him in for a meeting right now, um, it was, I don't think the Lions are out of the question just because they traded Acuda, like they signed enough guys to make it like, a fair argument to take a corner a deal, line still, like corner should definitely be favored. But six and a half minus one fifteen, both sides. That was probably the most interesting move. Levis came to six and a half, which I guess the Raiders were a key number if you believe that they were going to take a QB. What else moved? Um I think it was a. Well, and, and talk, talk the about outs. the
0: the the corner because. Patrick brings up the terrible Gonzalez number in DK yesterday. Ryan's asking, what's up with the Witherspoon smoke? I I still like Gonzo first cornerback. There's been not only the Gonzalez versus Witherspoon, the Gonzalez over under, but just like we finally had our first, uh, you know, it's not a true free agency move. It was a trade. We finally had our first, like a player went to a team and absolutely supplanted what their supposed pick position was going to be. Like the Falcons were very much in the mix to be the team who takes the first or second cornerback at that point. And then they trade with Detroit who is, again, it, it lowered, obviously greatly lowered the, the value of the, taking a cornerback for the Falcons at that point, but at the same time raised it up for the lions. Like, I don't know if you'll see them. Do you think, will there be a mock that you take seriously between now and the draft it has the Lions not taking a corner. I mean, there might be one or two, but I feel like it's going to be 90-10. Which,
1: which I think I saw in your Discord, the Gonzalez bet, which I was looking at it yesterday too. Uh, but like in principle, I just couldn't because I missed out on six and a half. But like, <laughs> the mocks are very much progressing. Gonzalez is falling. Like if you look on my sheet or whatever, like he's getting into the 10 range like consistently. Uh, but again, for that overhitting, you have to have Witherspoon go first, assuming that the Lions go corner, where the Lions trading Akuta, and if they do go corner, that kind of drags Gonzalez down a little, where yeah. if you put uh, Witherspoon first, and if you think the Raiders are taking a corner, Gonzalez would be second, where if before the trade it was up in the air, uh, Lions could have gone D-line, and then all of a sudden Witherspoon's the first corner, to the Raiders the very next spot, and pushes the Gonzalez up. So the earlier that Witherspoon goes, the earlier you would assume Gonzalez goes. Um, I'm a believer of Witherspoon going first, but I think it's I think it's very similar to like Mayor Kincaid. Like like they're close enough that there can be an argument for either. Um, I, th- I think on Brugler's podcast yesterday with like the mock draft with Zerline, uh, Brugler put Gonzalez to the line still after this trade and he yeah. just defaulted to his big board. He's like, I think corner is extremely likely likely right here. Um, and I'm just going to default to my rankings and take Gonzalez. Cause I have him up ahead. So uh, that and could as, be the case.
0: As difficult as it is to incorporate a young defensive back properly. I wonder too, over the last few years, seeing it happen a few times. I mean, we'd be, if it weren't for sauce, we'd be talking about Stingley A lot more. We'd be talking about the two corners in Kansas City, the two corners in uh, Seattle. Like there was essentially like five or six really good young defensive backs. That has been like a difficulty for teams over the a, a long time, honestly. Where it's like it's it's been tricky to get a you know some of these highly drafted cornerbacks to play well right off the bat. And the fact that we're starting to see teams figuring out how to do that. Like it, it just raises the position, the positional value of a cornerback. You're seeing that. What's the over under for the first round on corners? Like five and a half at this point? Is it four and a half? Uh, I think it's
1: four and a half. Well, like it's like juiced to, it's, yeah, have Ju- juice
0: to the bejesus belt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and I mean, get it. But for what is the gonzo number right now for over under with the juice? Eight and a half. So it's like juice. Oh, it's what's like the, the, oh,
1: okay. the under is I think like 150. So. Or no, I think the over is 150. No.
0: Okay, so I, you know, there's two scenarios where, obviously, I do think Witherspoon goes first. That's my belief right now. I don't have anything outside of just the, the overall feeling of the what we've gotten from people I trust. But if he does go first, and the Lions, you know, skipping out on a corner is still a, a likelihood that can happen. The Raiders obviously have like six different positions they can go at this point. So like, still at eight and a half. I don't know if minus 150 works I for would, me, but it, it's it's close. I'm very close. Like I think that's a that's almost a bettable number because there's a lot of scenarios where there's a lot of scenarios where you get to eight and you're like, well, it can't be Gonzo, and that's it. Because and at that point, Witherspoon could be on the board at eight. Yeah, like the
1: scenarios of it, like the over losing, which I like the over. Um, but it would be Lions not going corner, or excuse me, the over losing is Witherspoon, and then the Raiders take a corner or yeah. the Cardinals trading back with a team like the Raiders at seven, and then the card because Gonzalez to the Cardinals is a very trendy pick. Um, yeah, I've seen that too. I don't. You mean- would assume that the Cardinals could just take Gonzalez at seven, um, but yeah, the, Gonza- the Gonzalez under would be against. Everything that we've been reading. Um, Jeremiah has Witherspoon. Um, I would rather just lay it with Witherspoon before Gonzalez.
0: Eh, yeah, probably. Um, yeah. But uh, Stankman, it's a hell of a name, says over over five and a half offensive linemen is free cheese. I don't understand what the cheese is. I like cheese. It's good, but feels that way. I've bet into those markets quite a bit. Um, I feel like. In general, offensive linemen hits about three out of four years, even if it's heavily juiced to the over. We always see a nice little run towards the second half, especially in the 20s where it's like everybody always needs help. Everybody's always looking for their next, Big tackle, a tackle that they a swing tackle, a, a tackle they can move to guard, a guard that can move to center, a center that can play three positions. Like there's so many guys that are in that 20 to 35 range too. I'm kind of with you there, Stank brother. Like it was five and a half. Uh, five and a half, five and a half feels actually a little low depending on the juice.
1: And with these or like team to first draft position, specifically for this year, I think they can be leveraged because, it's, as it's assumed that this class is weaker the drop off in terms of like quality of these players is going to get thin where there isn't going to be a consensus on best player available. And we get into like the late twenties, uh, which I do think team need towards the late first is going to come into play a lot more compared to years past, just based off of the strength, uh, which uh, like the chiefs are tackle bills, p- potentially um, I've seen like Cowboys, there was something in your discord about the Cowboys. That was like a great point. Um, Cowboys, who knows, but you're basically betting on, I think two, not to the math, but Dewan, Anton, assuming Osiris goes, and then maybe Avila. Um, I think you need one of those three. So Anton, Dewan, and Avila. I think you just need one of those three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, there, there's a lot of scenarios where we get to like 12 or 13, you're, you're three deep already. And there's like two guys that are not making it to 25. And that point you're just, Hey, there's, there's probably like six guys that are legitimately, you know, this guy maybe only has a 20% chance to be a first rounder, but his name is in the mix. And like you said, Avila, I have, I have that a, a pretty decent likelihood if the chiefs don't draft at the 31st spot 32nd spot however you want to call it I, I don't want to piss you off I know you're real anal about the the forfeited pick and how we're calling it but if the Chiefs do trade out which is something that's been floated around and just something that happens you know th- those 30 31 32 those get traded a lot because people like to sneak back in the first round find something they wanted that first day get that extra year eligibility eligibility extra year of team control and there's a you know that's a spot where the Chiefs are so likely to take another, you know, some depth tackle, even though they did sign someone like that hurts it a little, but at the same spot, there's so many people from like 20 to 31 that could take offensive linemen.
1: Yeah. Especially because like the first pick of the second round is the Steelers, which you'd assume an offensive lineman is going to be one of the favorites for the Steelers, um, which would make a case for someone trading in um, for that as well.
0: And yeah, it says, imagine cashing this with the Cole strange situation. It's all the offensive lineman that cashes. This is always someone where it's like, Oh, really? Like the one year, the guy who put offensive lineman over was Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan going to uh, the saints where that wasn't, I don't think that was a very popular mock pick. I I mean, he was, he was one of those guys. It's like, Hey, this guy's like 25 to 40. He's falling in that spot, but it was like, oh, like that. That's just okay. We'll take it. I I guess I win. And like you said, the Patriots taking Cole Strange obviously did wonders for that market again last year. Anything 200 minus 200 or under, I think, is probably bettable at that one. And people, yeah, people asking about the Discord. um, It's free. It's free. There might be a link. Here's the issue I had with Discords that I didn't know. I was sharing these uh, these links to it, and they would expire after seven days. I had no idea that was a thing. You have to, I had to go into the settings and say make this never expire. And at that point, they you know the shit worked. So yeah, I think it is the pinned tweet on the at deep dive pod like Dan's saying. It's Who a, it's a deep
1: dive Discord. It's not a fifth year option, and you probably should tell like the draft channel. What's it called? It's like Super Bowl props. I think. Yeah. The,
0: so the, they've they there was the Super Bowl prop channel. And they just have refused to change the name of it. And it's funny, too. It is not actually run by anyone who has anything to do with the deep dive. It was people who, like you guys in the chat, would have conversations with yourselves. Um, and then somebody's like, well, this sucks because as soon as the show's over, we can't talk in the chat anymore. And somebody says, well, I'm starting a Discord. So it's just like chat, YouTube chat people running it, which is awesome because I have no, no responsibility, no culpability. And for sure um it, it's fun there's some very good conversations in there now that there's a lot of people it's a great time so yeah, do we know you know you, uh, you do have to do a little work to get in there
1: do we know when uh, uh mr staten's gonna be here or what
0: should be i mean we said we said four eastern
1: i'm saying like i'm not i haven't done one of these before like is there like a i don't know if he's here yet like, he literally
0: like literally just appeared you want to you want to introduce him and bring him in the MVP, yeah. I can't believe you're complaining, like, three oh, you can seconds three Rob. You're the host.
1: Hey, how's it going, guys? You okay?
0: What's yeah. going on? <laughs> Excited. Excited to talk some, uh, some, yeah, a little sea chickens, a little everything else, and 14 days out now.
1: You have been a, you're a, I think you've probably come up in every single episode that we've had, which we've been doing these draft episodes since January, um, which... Your Jalen Carter take is a very popular one. Uh, Your blogs are fantastic. I've been interested in betting a Jalen Carter under, I want to say for months, and your blogs are the only reason I have not. Uh, But... (laughs) (laughs) Um, So no pressure. But in terms of like the chaos right now, which I think this is like peak chaos, are you buying any rumors more than others? Like Anderson, like the Texans actually passing on... Stroud if he doesn't go one or are you buying Bryce going two, like one as well? Like what are you buying and what
2: do you, are you just waiting on? So what I am buying is when, I think when someone like Chris Mortensen comes out and says, Bryce Young's going to be the first overall pick, I'm buying that. When, when Chris Mortensen says in the same interview that Will Levis egging out the top five, I know that that's not a very popular take, but I, I'm, I'm listening to that. You know, why is somebody like Chris Mortensen saying that someone like Will Levis is not going to get out of the top five. And that for me makes it seem like he, the, the Colts may well have just made a decision that, you know, we want this guy. We think this guy can start quickly. We're going to bring him in and we're going to just go with that. So those are the two things that I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on. Then when Lance Zeerlin says there's a chance that the Texans are not going to go quarterback at two, I'm listening to that. Cause he nailed both their mock draft picks a year ago. He's obviously in Houston. He is seemingly well connected with that franchise, either because he has sources or because he just gets that team. So I am paying a bit of attention to that. I was going to publish a mock draft today, and I was all set to put C.J. Stroud at number two, and then I'm sort of, and then last night I was thinking, hang on, I need to just, I give myself a bit more time with this, because I want to make sure that I'm comfortable with just continuing with that idea that the Texans are going to go QB at number two. There's been a bit of speculation, and you know, Michael Lombardi's been talking about. Stroud's not the most most coachable guy. The, the trendy thing at the minute is to talk about. I, I can't remember what it's called, but it's this S2. test, S2. isn't it? S two, yeah. It's
0: not. wonderlick is gone, and S two is coming coming hard. And it's funny too I mean, when I when I'm doing my next mock. Like I've started so many mocks now that I've I've realized like I need to put a spot on my calendar. Do not disturb. No meetings. No bothers. I have to have like four hours. <laughs> and I have to just do you. You can't stop and pick it up the next day because something has happened. I'm like, next one I do it has to be full focus. Do it right now because shit happened. Like uh, our producer Dan, he wrote one. He wrote a seven, uh, seven round mock for the Falcons. What like I don't know six minutes before the trade, he was finished something something horrible <laughs> like that. Like oh well, this is garbage now. So that's mm-hmm. fun. But and real quick too, we got we got so. Worked up about asking you questions. We don't have, you know, we don't have forever. But you know, introduce yourself. Tell people about the blog real <laughs> quick.
2: Okay. Well, I've done draft blogs since 2008, so it's been a long thing. It's been a long running thing. Um, it kind of like acts as like a second full time job. So I work for the BBC in the UK, um, and you know, radio host and do a bit of TV and stuff like that. But I just I used to live in Vancouver, so I kind of adopted the silks and I lived in Vancouver. And then since coming back to the UK, I've never missed a game. You know, I try and get to Seattle every year. The only time I wasn't able to do that was kind of COVID. So um, so yeah, and it's it's become a bigger thing than I ever expected it to be. But it's kind of taken on like a YouTube channel now and the blog's crazy busy and it's a lot of fun. I also think I don't know what other fan bases are like, but the Seahawks fans are kind of they love to they love to fight each other, it's kind of feisty. <laughs> I was just
0: gonna say every every the NFL just so immensely popular, obviously, and every fan base is so good, but it does feel like the Seattle one has like a a pretty raucous fan base, just kind of based on the fact that they don't have a lot of a lot of other pro teams up there anymore. Like it's their only thing now. So,
2: can I just give you an example though? So, you, what generally happens is the Seahawks fan base splits itself into two teams on every single subject. So you can either you either love the Jamal Adams trade or you hate the Jamal Adams trade. You either want to fire Pete Carroll or you think Pete Carroll is the greatest thing that has ever existed. Um, and the current thing is drafting a quarterback at five or that is the stupidest idea in the world ever. And you can't be in the middle. You can't be D-line. I, I'm uncomfortable with a D-line or a QB. It has to be. No, you have to pick a team. Who is it going to be? And then what? not only do you have to pick a team, you have to then go on Twitter and argue with everybody. So... That's, that's kind of how it is at the moment. It's kind of made this process unenjoyable for me. I think it's been more <laughs> arguments than kind of, hey, they've got 5 and 20 and 37 and 52. This is great. Yeah. It's been it's been like a massive argument for six months instead. Now, which, which side are you on? I mean, it just yeah. <laughs> as, as a,
0: like <laughs> hey. not, not so much as an analyst, like as a fan, because Seattle had a very successful draft last year and they got way more out of the quarterback position than they ever thought. Like, if you would have This is not where I thought the Seattle Seahawks would be, you know, uh, 12 months ago.
2: Well, look, I'm not going to be disappointed if they take Will Anderson at number five. So I'm going to be quite comfortable with that and just sort of enjoy the heck out of it. Um, It's probably the thing that Geno Smith had a great first half of last season and then a a pretty average slash quite bad at times, second half of the season. He is still Geno Smith. I think the way the team has structured his contract is indicative of of, uh, we're going to give this another year. And here's the thing, like if Geno Smith has an average season next season, are they going to want to pay him $32.4 million or whatever the contract is for next year? So they're going to have a big decision to make at the end of this season either way. And they might have to make a very difficult decision, even if he's pretty good. You know, if he's like the 15th best quarterback in the league, they then have to determine how much they want to pay for that. So there's a big decision coming there. I just like the idea of, I think with 20 and 37 and 52, you can still improve your defense. and. I've always been a guy that says, I will happily take a shot on a quarterback. I know that the the, uh, the complaints about some of these players and the accuracy issues with Richardson, for example, or the interceptions with Will Levis or, or whatever it is that you want to get into. For me, it's kind of like, if you take a shot on Richardson and he bombs, that's fine. You just move on to the next, you go again. I don't have an issue with that. If, but if, if you hit the quarterback and you get Josh Allen or you get Patrick Mahomes, you're a contender every year, so I'm, yeah. I'm taking, I'm buying raffle tickets until I get the guy, and I'm not just going to assume that 33 year old Geno Smith is the guy. You know, I'm going to keep taking those raffle tickets. I want to, I want to get an elite quarterback, and if and if they take Richardson and he busts, who gives a crap? Like you, you go and get another one in a few years time. I don't, I'm not really that bothered about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with definitely with a quarterback, and, and I'm okay if they decide to take Will Anderson instead.
1: And so your mock are you you're you're penciling in anderson at two Let's just say. Um, to seattle no if like your your mock oh. that you're coming out with today do you have anderson too um you don't have to bear that you don't even have to uh let's just say I,
2: it's 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 i think and i spoke to somebody who is very he's very well connected and in in is in his, in his um, a big name within the NFL and he said that Will Anderson will hands down be the first defensive player take in his Some opinion. So when I see all this Tyree Wilson stuff it kind of makes me think is that really what the league thinks or is there just maybe a handful of teams that this guy I've spoken to preferred Tyree Wilson and that could certainly be the case but um, for me I think Will Anderson just because of the production and the character and he's very explosive I think it's that will will mean that he goes ahead of Tyree Wilson. Plus, there's the injury aspect with Tyree Wilson. Was, yes. You know that's still lingering there. I think it's going to be pretty hard for Houston to turn around to their weary fans and go, "We've got Tyree Wilson second overall." <laughs> that just <laughs> right. you
0: know and that that's where I wonder if some of these reports are true, but completely taken out of context. Where it's like, th- two things can be true. It's like, hey maybe Ryan's and maybe the whole front office in Houston likes Tyree Wilson better than Will Anderson, but also could be true is, we're not taking a defensive player second overall. There's quarterbacks. We need a quarterback. Like we can like Tyree Wilson, all we want. And if if we had the third pick as well, maybe we'd take him. But like that, you know, that can be true that they have those flip flop. But there's no chance in hell they're not taking a you know a quarterback if someone's available.
2: Can can I just throw something really weird out there as well? And and listen, yeah. people are going to hate Please. this, and I get it. Please. You know, I, I'm going to say this, and people will. It, I know there's there's plenty of Seahawks fans who will just call me an idiot for saying this. I, I don't think it's, it's that preposterous that if, if C.J. Stroud has, has had a bad S2 or has, they need a better <laughs> name than S2. It needs, like, it <laughs> no. needs a call day. That wonderlick at least is an interesting word. Right? <laughs> they, need, they need a word. Um, if, if Stroud's had a bad S2 and if, and if Michael Lombardi's right and, the, and he's not very coachable or whatever the, the complaint is there uh, or if there's concerns about how he, you know the, he looks to the sideline, they tell him what the read is and he has to go and execute it. I understand why that's an issue. I'm just saying, like, they are running the, the the Niners' offense, and it's very similar to the Sean McVay offense, and when Will Levis was playing for Liam Cohen in Kentucky in 2021, he looked really good. Now, if you'd have said a few years ago, Mitch Trubisky, the Bears are going to trade up to number two and take Mitch Trubisky, people are going to, why? Why are they going to do that? That's stupid. But they, and they, they've signed Mike Glennon. They're not going to do any of those things, and they still did it. <laughs> so... You know, and apparently Levis is somebody who's tested very well. Apparently got a ninety three in the in the S two, so he was second behind Bryce Young uh, in terms of the big name quarterbacks. I think Jake Haina was like higher than, than than Levis, but Levis Levis was number two. Like, is it is it beyond the realms of possibility that they just go? Hey, do you know what? We'll take this guy because we think he can start quickly. We, he knows the offense. He's probably got some of the language down. He's got a big arm. I know people like hammered Levis because he goes to the gym or something, but um, you know, I I just wouldn't completely rule something weird like that happening now, especially when Chris Morton's saying, this guy's going to go in the top five. So it, it could be Indianapolis, but who's to say someone doesn't trade up to number three for him? Who's to say the Texans don't pull off a huge stunner and, and take Levis to number two? I think it's it, it's pretty fluid in that regard. And and you're right. They have got to go to their fans and give them some excitement and some hope. And how are you going to do that if you're trotting out Davis Mills again next year?
1: Cannot agree more. Which, because mock, which was crazy and has become less crazy, which... I think the only reason Tyree is in the discussion is because he put Tyree at number two in his mock, uh, but he also had the Texans trading back up to take Levis at seven, which would be in his assumed range not too long ago. Uh, but like Stroud to me, like if Stroud makes it to three, like it just feel feels like it makes so much more sense for who we think Stroud is a Colts guy for the Colts to trade, and just swap at the cards. Uh, but my question is, in what's it is there a scenario that you can see? the Seahawks taking Jalen? And then is there ever a point, are you just trusting your process where like you see like Jeremiah Brugler, like Mortensen, just putting Jalen to the Seahawks? Is there a point where like, okay, maybe this is actually going to happen? Or do you just trust your sources and your process enough that you're just going to stand
2: by? It's not going to be Jalen at five? I just know, I know what I know a lot of the stuff that, that um, is around Jalen Carter. You know, I know a lot of the, the character stuff. I've not sort of been actively speaking about it um, because, you know, a lot of people are kind of reporting to some of the stuff now. I just don't think it's appropriate to go into, into great detail on, really? on some of the issues here. Um, yeah. But, look, there's, it's quite a lot. Please bear. I'll just have to, get, you know, run through it sort of step by step. Please. John Schneider and Pete Carroll have come out in numerous interviews, and they're not just saying, we like character guys, which every team says. What yeah. they're saying is we completely changed everything we did in 2022. And the focal point of our decision-making with that draft was to take good character players, was to take players who were going to come in, who were going to work their asses off, and they're going to really work to be the top pros. And that, that was the best draft that they've had in like eight or nine years. And it really worked from that approach. They were speaking just recently, I think, at the combine. You know, Pete Cowell was saying we got this, these rookies in, we made character such a big thing, and they all came in and they worked so hard. They came into training camp in shape, you know, because you, what you have is the mini camp, and then the players basically are left to their own devices for a few weeks, few months, and there's been issues with that in Seattle. You know, Malik McDowell got himself in an AV accident during that period right. between mini camp and when the and he never played a down for the Seal. So they stayed in shape. They came into camp and they were ready to go. And this was all part of the success of that 2022 draft class. So when you're speaking in those terms and saying that we've had the best draft ever and it was all about character and all of this, it just seems really strange for me that they would then a year later go, well, we said all that, but now we're going to take a mass, the biggest character risk that we've known about in a long, long time with the fifth overall pick. It just seems somewhat unlikely. And you know, people. I think when you're referencing, you know, the big names in the national media, and they're going, "Hey, you know, we're going to put like Daniel Jeremiah and and, and Dane Brugler and people like this. They're, they're going to put. What does everybody say in their little blurb with with the pick? They always go, "Pete Carroll loves these kind of guys. He'll take a chance on these kind of guys. They always say that, but they so don't. Really, it's 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 not. It's not that it's not true. It's just that Pete Carroll also likes guys who love football. Like when when they took a chance on." Um, you know, Marshawn Lynch, for example. It, it's not that Lynch did love... It's just that he's very difficult to manage. But when you put him out on the field, you know you are going to get every sinew of Marshawn Lynch on that field. It, it was the same with Percy Harvin. They're going to put everything out there. You know, the, the gambles that they've taken, people say, well, it took a chance on Frank Clark. You could never deny Frank Clark's football character. It was the fact that he'd been involved in a, in a, a very serious incident, which... A lot of teams were concerned about, and rightly so, because it was a an alleged domestic violence incident. But in terms of football character, there was grit, there was determination, and he he played with his hair on fire on the field. I'm I'm sorry, but you can't watch that Ohio State game and go, that is a guy that can is capable of doing that. You know, Jalen Carter basically did what he wanted at Georgia. He would he may turn up for a practice. He may give effort on the, you know, these are the, what we've heard from Tom McShay that he, he doesn't take well to coaching. His, his football character is not great. You know, this is not somebody, Pete Carroll's always, that always compete is his favorite catchphrase. You can't be sort of picking and choosing when you're going to lift, you know? Right. And, and, um, and I'm, yeah, it's a it's a,
0: jo- it's a job now. Like this is you're a professional at this point. Once your name is said by Goodell, and we'll assume it's Goodell, we'll assume he's not falling that far, and he's sure. getting some random person announcing him on day two. But and and what you spoke about too with the 2022 draft, like if they make this commitment and they have middling results or God for sake, poor results, it's one thing, but the confirmation bias that comes with here's what we're gonna do, and then seeing it work out so well. Like the I, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. The odds of him just flipping, going a full 180 on that, going completely against what worked so well last year, is it does seem, it does seem unlikely. Which, I mean, I I hope I want to see him play at his best. Hopefully, he lands somewhere that just has a a coach that scares the hell out of him and and gets him to come to the gym every day and gets him because he's he's a freak. Like he's gonna play well in somebody's defense if he lands in the right spot. But I'm with you. It seems like he drops and my, my theory has always been like the further you get away from the police reports and the having to go back to Georgia during the combine everybody's memory is so short these days the further we get away from that because i mean people the next day look how far did we have him down in mocks like that week like people were mm-hmm. mocking him in the 20s like come, come on like th- this is this is a little silly like but but, t-
2: but teams are going to do their, ho- their own homework you know we've all yep. forgotten about it teams know everything whatever they need to know about that incident now they probably know it oh yeah and they've, and you know, these that meetings, these official meetings, they're probably asking him about it. And they want to know what his side of the story is, but they probably know what the real side of the story is because they've got the private investigators and whatever they use to find out what's going on there. But it's the legal issues. It's why was your conditioning so bad against LSU and Ohio State? And, we, you know, we need you to play 75% of the snaps for 17 games in a regular season. You know, we don't want you paying 33. 33- that Mississippi State and then looking gassed against Ohio State in the biggest game of the season. We need you out there week after week. And this is the other thing that we've got to remember here. with like People act like Jalen Carter. He could come to Seattle and all of a sudden he's playing like 80% of the snaps and being a game wrecker. He's never shown that at Georgia. He's always been a, a low-snap player. And, you know, it, it may take him two or three years to get his conditioning right, let alone everything else. And like Quinn Williams, he could be a player that takes a bit of time to sort of reach his best and if that's the case with Jalen carter people assume he's like an impact player but he might take two or three years how's that any different to anthony richardson who might he might have to sit for a couple of years and then redshirt him okay richardson's not out in the field carter can be but if he's out there for 25 30 of the snaps like he was uh, you know last year at georgia not the most recent season even then he wasn't playing a, a bulk of the snaps that it's there's just a lot there and I, I don't I don't think the Seahawks will take him. I think that the team that takes him is going to have a GM who is in an incredibly secure position and can survive this not working essentially. And that you know. to me, it just it's Howie Roseman, you know. And I, and- I was
0: going to say I mocked him to the Eagles, and you said like Roseman is a secure guy, and you, you talk about how how he is just kind of a situational rotational player. Like, boy, does that fit in with what the Eagles have done? And it would be a coup for them, I think, at that point. But yeah, I mean, Luke, and I mean, where where do you have him right now, kind of in your your big board mocks, as far as his most likely positioning? Uh, so it's it has to adjust because of that alliance trade, but
1: it was yeah. like the six like six to ten. Like he's not going to fall the ten. Yeah. Um, my my next question was like for the pick twenty. How much weight is pick twenty? going to change based like if they take a D-line, like if they take Tyree, let's just say at five, where the common mock for the Seahawks at 20 is wide receiver, could they double down on D-line? If they take a QB, do you see wide receiver being more likely or D-line being more likely?
2: like What's like the matrix with pick 20 based off of what
1: happens at five?
2: So I'm led to believe, and I've not had this sort of verified, I just, this is what someone has mentioned to me, and I think it's true is that the Seahawks kind of run a system. I think they run it in Green Bay as well. So essentially, you kind of have a system whereby your plan is managed, it's kind of almost like comp, it's, it's sort of uh, put into a system. And then once you pick a certain player first, the system will tell you this is the plan that you've laid out. So you pivot to a certain plan depending on who you take in, in each day. to so make sure that you get the, the kind of, you fill the needs, you address the kind of areas that you need to address, and you know in, when you're getting onto the clock, who are you are going to take. So the Seahawks will have this mapped out. So if they take a defensive lineman at, at number five. I don't know. It depends how much they view like Hen and Hooker. Like a lot of teams think oh, Hennan Hooker is a good player. If they if they if they're determined to take a quarterback, then they might take Hooker 20 or 37 or they might move back into the end of the first round or whatever. But if they don't think Hooker Hooker's worth taking in that range, then they'll have different positions. I what I think they will do is I think they will they will know what they're going to do at number five already. And I think 20 will be flexible and it will be it will be a best player available pick. And that could be one of a number of things. I know like receivers are trendy Pick for the Seahawks at number 20. I'm not totally sold on that just because I don't I think the receivers are a little bit overrated. So I, I think it could be one of a number of different things. Like, let's say Michael Mayer is there at 20. I don't think it's out of the question that the Seahawks would take him because Noah Fant's out of contract. Um, Kobe Parkinson's out of contract next year. Will um, Disley's got major injury issues throughout his career and might not be here next year. They might not have a tight end contracted for next year. So sort of investing in one this year, and it doesn't have to be Mayer. It could be one of the other, you know, top tight ends. Wouldn't completely rule that out. If Bijan Robinson lasted 20, Pete Cowell, running back, you know, very talented player, they might have say best player available. You know, when they took Ken Walker a year ago, Seahawks, a lot of Seahawks fans were screaming at the TV saying, what are you doing taking a running back here? But they thought the value was too good yeah. and they, they wanted to take it. So it depends on the value. I could see them going D-line, D-line and just sort of doubling down on that. Um, I think there's a lot of options for that 20. I think they're going to go best player ever. You know, just one, th- one quick point. You said, is there a scenario where the Seahawks could take Jalen Card number five? There is one scenario. I never had a chance to answer that. There's one scenario where I think it's possible. And that's just that they, first of all, they don't like the quarterbacks and are just completely opposed to, to taking one at number five, which I'm not, I'm not buying that. I think they're intrigued by them, whether they take them or not. And then the other thing is, is just that they think this is a crap draft. And I think a lot of people do sort of look at that and go, do you know what? There's not those legit blue chip players. We've got to try and get a major impact out of this number five pick. And he's just the most talented player in this draft class. So we're going to take a chance. But I think the Seahawks would be more inclined to do that if they hadn't had the Malik Medal experience and if they hadn't made mistakes in the past, which have come back to bite them. Yeah, which like
1: these issues for any other player would send him out of the first round, which (laughs) kind of speaks to like how... Much of a freak, I guess he is being spoken as top five still. Um, yeah, we're, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. And you talk about the other, you know, you, you rattle them off great because you talk about the Seahawks so much. I can't do what, you know, the Seahawks have picked 20, 30, whatever, 57, all that. Like, you know, a lot of teams have decent, decent war chests like that. And, you know, we're talking about how does the fifth pick affect the 20th? And, you know, it feels like a lot of these teams, the inverse is true too when you're looking at. How does this team treat, I think you can learn a little bit about how a team would treat a top 5, 10, 15 pick based on what they've done with day two and what they have for day two. Because there are teams like, hey, this team, you know, when they need a third wide receiver and they have a mid-round pick they're still taking the best corner because they need that too. And then they're just taking three wide receivers on day two, snagging another one in the sixth, bringing in an undrafted free agent, having seen like, Hey, we got five guys. One of these guys has to work out. Right. Mm -hmm. There are, there are teams. It's just like, this is a position we're willing to, you know, spend capital on day two rather than day one. So I think they're, and and I think sometimes that affects how they, you know, how they're going to use their day one, you know, top, top end capital at that point. And, you know, it, it does depend on what kind of war chest you have and what you've traded away, what you've acquired during the last few years.
2: I mean, with I with 20, just to say, I, in every mock draft that I'm I – mean, I don't know how many I'll do between now and two weeks, probably two or three, in every single one for that <laughs> pick number matter. 20. Well, every single time that I do one between now and the end of the, and, and the draft, the spoiler alert to anybody who follows the the box that I, who can care what mock I put out. But um, I'm going to have them trading down from 20 every single time into the mid-20s and taking John Michael Spitz. They are gonna, I'm, i think they they are they need a center. They need to invest, they know they need to invest in a center. John Michael Schmitz is the ideal scheme fit for them, as well as Luke Weipler, the, the center at Ohio State. So if they can't get to Schmitz in the late first, then I think they will pivot to Luke Weipler in round two. But I I am gonna put John Michael Schmitz with the Seahawks with their second first round pick in. For the rest of the mocks that I do, whether they go quarterback or defensive line, I think it I if Will Anderson's there at five, I think they're going to take him and that's that. So I think Will Anderson first, John Michael Schmitz second is a, a fair prediction for what I think the Seahawks are going to end up with. They'd be trading back, right? Like later yeah. first? Oh, yeah. 25,
0: 26. That's somewhere in there. it.
2: Yeah. I think they, So the great thing is, is because the Seahawks are sat in front of LA and uh Baltimore and Tampa. teams like, oh, um, in front. Sorry. no, no. So, so like ch- you've got the chargers having you, you've got, and you've got Ravens next. And, um, if the receivers haven't got, let's say Jackson Smith and Jig still there. Or if, if you think that Jordan Allison's the first receiver or whatever, whatever you think it, yeah. you know, if you want to make sure that you get that guy, if you're like the giants, for example, move up to Seattle spot and, and go and take him. And that, and then you, and you're and you not risking the charges or the Ravens taking him. And then you can move down into the mid first. So I think it's a good position for the Seahawks to be in in terms of the receivers if they don't come off the board at 20. It means they could move down to 24, 25, 26. And, and then go and take John Michael Schmitz. I think that's that's a, a reasonable prediction for the Seahawks. You, well,
0: yeah, you know I like that, Luke, because I think all my mocks have Schmitz in the first. I've been waiting for a betting market on Schmitz to come at like over, what, like 33, 35, something like that. I bet him into the first. Um, I don't have my Gophers hat here either. I should have had my my Minnesota Gophers hat on today. And my
1: my last question. So, Will Anderson's off the board. Tyree or
2: Anthony Richardson? Anthony Richardson. I mean, I, that's, if you're asking me, Anthony Richardson. Got it. I mean, for them, I – Of course. But I, how, do, how do you feel that the Seattle – because every
0: – you talk about Howie Roseman is like – maybe the model for, Hey, we've, I've won a soup. You know, it's like we've been there. I'm comfortable. I'm not on a hot seat because it's like the bears in the past couple of years. Like they had to do some stupid shit because they're like, Oh my God, this has to work now. Or we don't have jobs. Like everyone's at a different spot in their, in their, you know, hot seat, whatever you want to call it, their career. Some guys are just, I'm drafting or making moves just to get me one more year of employment, hopefully. And not, you know, not everyone's in that spot. How do you think, the Seattle front office is viewing, you know, something like that because there are teams that be like, I need to take a risk on a super high side guy like this because if we hit it, like you said, you could have a Mahomes or you could have a well. We got a quarterback that was good enough. We'll try again next year.
2: So Pete Cowan and John Schneider could do whatever the hell they want. You know, they've basically got the keys to the franchise, and and Jody Allen is the sort of the owner, and there's like a there's the Vulcan Group, which was Paul Allen's group. Who, who own the team, but it's going to get sold probably within the next two, three years. Um, and they're, they're in a very secure position right now. And I I, I just think they'll be able to do whatever they whatever they fancy. I think the problem with Tyree Wilson is he's 271 pounds and the Seahawks have switched to a 3-4. A so, you know, as, as a 271 pound outside linebacker, you know, Olden Smith did it, but Olden Smith is, there's not many of them. So can you play him outside linebacker? I don't think he shows enough of a speed rush off the edge to think he can play there but he's 271 pounds not 281 pounds so is he a 3-4 defensive end i'm not sure for me he looks like a classic power end in a 4-3 it's so like
1: that's a prime spot for like tennessee to trade up and then you take someone out like nolan smith at 11 um instead of richardson if uh, well, guys fall, is- it's that's like a prime spot if like stroud gets pushed back like levis or richardson could be there and someone's going to want to come up
2: and you know, I think part of the problem that a lot of the mock drafts get into is they they almost see the Seattle's defensive need as coming down to number five, and so they'll they'll go to number five and they'll they'll, they'll force it a little bit. It's Carter. It's it's Tyree Wilson. It, it it is Will Anderson, and then they have to go and put a receiver at number twenty. You see that in so many mocks. But the thing is, well, what if you took Anthony Richardson at five and then you take Will McDonald, you know, or or one of these. You know, like Kalijah Kansi as somebody, you know, in in the top forty, or you know, whoever you want. There are Derek Hall. You know, there are there are other players. You mentioned Nolan Smith. It, it doesn't mean if you take a quarterback at five, it doesn't mean that you can't then then you're banned right. from like drafting other defensive players. You can get defensive impact players in with with so many picks. You have twenty. You have thirty-seven. You have fifty-three. You have eighty-three. So you've got five picks in the first three rounds to go and address your defense, it doesn't come down to that one pick. So for me, it's Richardson. I don't know about the fit with Tyree Wilson, the injury stuff. You know, he's also, and this is maybe a thing that I care about more than Pete Carroll and John Schneider, but the Seahawks have drafted two older Big 12 defenders in the first round in Jordan Brooks and LJ Collier. LJ Collier was a huge bust and has moved on. He's with the Cardinals now. And Jordan Brooks, eh, he's been okay. Like another 23-year-old Big 12 defender, like, really? That's what you're going to... You know, we're going to come out of this fifth, this Russell Wilson trade with? Or Anthony Richardson, who is basically DK Metcalf at quarterback. You know, it's... it's That's the kind of guy that Pete Carroll loves to get his hands on. And John Schneider loves the traits of, of guys like that. Uh, I mean, John Schneider freaking loved Josh Allen, by the way. Like, when people were still seeing Josh Allen as a meme at Wyoming, he wanted to trade Russell Wilson and take that guy first overall. So... And that was when Russell Wilson was prime peak yeah, Russell right. Wilson.
0: It's before he got weird.
2: Yeah, R- Richardson. Yeah. Richardson reminds you a lot of Josh Allen. And people, I've got the real really visionist history about what people were saying about. I, I often reel out this. You know, I don't know if you've ever read the Bob McGinn scouting sources articles over the years. they have been like, oh, be like waiting for it ten days. So well, I've got it. I've got them here. You know, um, he's put them on on go long. So I've, I've, you know, you can read the ones for this year, but I, I pulled the ones out from when Josh Allen was there. He's been compared to Blake Bortles and people were saying he's no good. His accuracy is crap. You know, he's erratic. He's, he, he can't play quarterback. Patrick Mahomes was told he's too reckless. He, he, I don't see it. He's a system quarterback. He plays in the spread. It's not going to work out. This is what people were saying. Like Daniel Jeremiah put a top 50 out at the start of April, 2017. No Patrick Mahomes in the top 50. Right. You know, that's what people were saying about Mahomes before he was drafted. In Jeremiah's final mock draft in 2017, he had Patrick Mahomes in the mid-20s. So people act like those guys were brilliant when they were in college and were highly rated. They weren't. People are saying the same thing about Anthony Richardson and Will Levis and people like that now that they were saying about Josh Allen. Traits matter. It's about how you coach and develop those traits. It's about taking somebody who projects as as a you're going to need to work on this guy and turning them into something special. That is what Pete Carroll runs a development program. Anthony Richardson's a developmental quarterback. It's the perfect situation. Gino Smith is on board with training somebody. I wouldn't I, – if Will Anderson's there, I think they'll take him. If Will Anderson isn't there, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Anthony Richardson. Love that.
0: Well, uh, I, I, I One last Seahawks question then for me is let's, you know, let's say it's Richardson or Anderson. Either one I think is you would get a high upside project quarterback with freak athlete traits. And then let's say you get your dream scenario, the giants who are definitely in need of a wide receiver. They have a, they have their eyes on somebody. They take Addison trade if you, you. Trade back, you get Schmitz or another interior offensive lineman that you like. Is there a, is there a guy that you have your eye on on day two to be like, cause you, you need a, you need a wide receiver three. You could, it yeah. would be, it would be useful. You know, one, two is great. Oh. Like, I know. I I, I want to see. Dude, I'm this a, is the number one I,
1: downs fan that exists.
0: I, I, Josh I, Downs. This I know, is I the number one see, Josh there's, Downs fan. There's got to be another name because there's we've seen this for years now. There's been some guys that crushed out of the third round like every year. We have wide receivers and are just like this guy popped right away. Like why are we why are we trading up for wide receivers ever?
2: So the I mean I love Josh Downs. He's my wide receiver one. Um, and he is so mature. Like his his uncle's Dre Bly, his dad was in the NFL as mm-hmm. a coach. He talks like a 10-year veteran already. Uh his fantastic, exposure gets downfield. The way that he high po- like he's he's so small that he high points the ball better than some of these six, two, six, three guys. Imagine, like, fantastic. Wow. Yeah, I mean, just wow. Just I think he's an incredible player. So I think that he could definitely be on Seattle's radar because he, he also has a little bit of Tyler Lockett to him and and the way that Ty Lockett was an incredibly mature player as well. I, I think his personality is very similar to Lockett. The other guy I really like is Jonathan Mingo. I think so many people, he's my second receiver. Like there's just so many people are sleeping on him. Just watch how he separated at the Senior Bowl. He's got soft hands. Like he had that crazy Moss play, you know, during the season. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Um, he had the one handed catch, which is unbelievable. He can do the spectacular things. Um, Lane Kiffin didn't did, didn't do a good enough job of kind of featuring him. Um, but that's the same with the other oldest receiver that Seattle took a few years ago, who was kind of streaky and had big plays. And I just, I, the way that Jonathan Mingo blocks, like he loves to block. And that's going to really appeal to the Seahawks. So, you know, that Josh Downs and Jonathan Mingo, um, the two guys there. Something very interesting to note from the Seahawks as well, you know, we're talking about day two, is that they have had Byron Young at the Tennessee Pass Russia and Yaya Diaby and people like that in for official visits. And I think what they're doing is, they're setting up that if Will Anderson isn't there at number five and they do take a quarterback, who are some of the edge rushers that we can maybe get in the middle rounds? And people often forget. People say, they've got to take an edge. They've got to take an edge. They took Boya Maffei in round two. Like He's the 40th overall pick last year. So they've invested in that. They've signed Uchenna and Wosu. They've still got Daryl Taylor. It's not like they're completely – the cupboard is not bare at edge rusher. What they need are these big-bodied defensive tackle, defensive end types. And the silks traditionally have targeted those guys in the middle rounds. You know, Jaron Reed's the highest pick they've ever had on a defensive tackle and he just re-signed for the team but it's generally like round three so could the seal are they more likely to sort of look at byron young from alabama in uh, you know late second third round type range uh, cameron young at mississippi state are they going to be looking at guys like that you know jacqueline roy uh, to play nose tackle are they going to look at those guys in the middle rounds rather than maybe sort of feeling like they've got to do something really really quickly it's possible so i think there's a lot of options for seattle
1: love that and then we're over so we'll let you go after this but In terms of like your mock drafts, are there is it like do you have any how do I ask this? Actually, I'm not gonna ask it. I'm gonna ask you off air. Um, that's (laughs) it. Just ask it, man. You know, everyone everyone listen everyone 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 listening is betters. Everyone listening wants the tidbits like you've spoken to this source about Will Anderson going number one. So if you have any other tidbits, whether it's in your mock. Um, or you just want to share now, everyone listening and ourselves would love to hear them. Like, are there any guys you think are going to go into the top 10? Yeah, closing nugget.
0: Hearing? I need a nugget. Yeah, we need
2: nuggets. Okay, let me, let me do my notes that I've got here. Let's see what Hell I'm yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I know. Well, I mean, I know one thing. I know that there's, there are teams in the league who are really, really frustrated that like the whole middle tier of the quarterback class just <laughs> basically returned to school or transferred. I don't know if you've yeah. noticed that. There was like about eight guys. Who were who were like going to be at the Senior Bowl or whatever, and like they're not there anymore, and then they're, they're not in this draft. And there's and so basically the, the guy that I um that I I respect the most who I speak to said what you've basically got is four guys at the top who he thinks are, in his words are locks to go in the top ten, and he said there's a very good chance that four will go in the top five. That's what he said. I spoke to him about a month ago. Uh, I'm going to check him in with again before the draft, and then he said Hennan Hooker early round two, but he said that and then he qualified that and said actually do you know what? he thinks somebody will trade back into the back end of the first round for the, you know, aptly for the fifth-year option, you know. So that's that's what they're looking for. And he said because he's going to have to sit out his first year, having that sort of extra year tapped onto the contract is really important. So in my next mock, I'm, I'm going to have the Tennessee Titans deciding not to trade up and go and get one of these quarterbacks. And what I've got them doing is trading into Kansas City spot at the end of the first round and getting Hendon Hooker, who's the local hero. So, and he could sit behind Tannehill for a year and they get the fifth year option on that. So that's one of the things that I've been going for. Um, you know, Will Anderson, the, the top uh, defender was, was apparently the, the thing that he's an alpha A plus. He's everything you look for in a player. Great family, toughness, uh, verbally excellent with teammates, captain, knows how to speak to the media, all of that. Um, I was told that it's, um, that basically there's a feeling within the league. I've seen this increasingly. People keep saying it's a bad safety class. What I've been told is that actually the league thinks it's a great safety class. There's just not anybody that you would want to take in like the first 25 picks. That right. When you actually get to rounds three and four, teams are going to fill their boots that there are big physical safeties that the combine, a lot of those safeties, you know that like the drills where they have to change direction, they did them better than the cornerbacks. So you, th- there's a lot of excitement I'm told about the safety depth in this. Um, yeah. And cornerback is described as solid, not great, tight ten classes, everybody knows about that, and I think there's there's a good chance yeah. that we could see seven going in the top sixty five. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, there's there's other things that I that I would not be comfortable sharing. If <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fine.
0: Uh, <laughs> when, when is your next mark? Uh, you, it yeah. it like I have just oh, arrived, back.
2: yeah, well, I I've just got back from Dubai and I am jet lagged like crazy. So if I can stay awake, I'm going to publish it today, but um, if not, it'll be tomorrow sure oh no, yeah.
0: great looking forward to it for sure cool
1: well thank you so much for coming on rob yeah no everyone is, listening is, is the biggest thing. fan uh <laughs> more mock drops the better um is what i think everyone wants uh but yeah thank you it was absolutely phenomenal i think we got
2: a bunch of bettable tidbits out of this no, yeah. i appreciate the appreciate the invite guys and uh happy to jump on anytime. yeah,
0: yeah. the tweet and the twitter handle is just take the space out of his name and put one of those uh, ad symbols in front of it. Real easy. Just That's it. super easy guys. Rob's dead. So appreciate it. We'll call it a week. We'll be back next week as we are the week before the draft. We'll catch you guys. Thanks.